This is the Father Matters Show with your host, Vance Sims. Father Matters is committed to building stronger, healthier communities by supporting, encouraging, and enlightening today's fathers and families. And now, your host, Vance Sims. Welcome to the Father Matters Show. I'm your host, Vance Sims. Thank you for being a part of the show. Hey, if you have not yet partnered with Father Matters, would you please consider becoming a Father Matters partner? The Father Matters show is listener supported in all Father Matters programs and services are free to the community because of your generous donations. For more information about donating to Father Matters, log on to fathermatters.org and click the donate to Father Matters icon. I have a great guest today. His name is Christopher Mer- Martinez and Christopher's we're calling Chris. He's in California. We're in Phoenix right now. And the title of Christopher's book is Impact, Insights, Effects, and the Reality of the Impaired Driving. Christopher Martinez, welcome to the Father Matters Show. Oh, thank you, Mr. Vance, for having me. Absolutely. Chris, man, I I, I read a little bit through the book. I, 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 I read a, your email. Just powerful, powerful, powerful. Because, brother, what you're going to share is real and it's happening all over this country. And if I'm not mistaken, I think is one of the number one causes of death. And you're going to talk about this a little bit. Chris, tell us a little bit before we get into impact, insights, effects and the reality of impaired driving. Tell us a little bit about yourself, sir, so we can lead into why you wrote this book. So I just got out of prison uh, this past January. I did 15 years of hard time for DUI murder. And While you... I was inside, I came to the realization that I was an alcoholic. I took an innocent life because of my criminal thinking and criminal activity. And in my transformation, I wrote this book not only to help save lives, but it's my living amends to give back to the family that I had harmed. Absolutely, Chris. And I appreciate you uh, opening up your book and opening up your book of life and, and, and about to share all that you're sharing with us, brother, because it's it's very impactful and it's very important what you're doing. I was reading a little bit about you and, and shortly before uh, we get into this, I want you to share a little bit about your dad, because that was impactful. That was deep as well. Share a little bit about your dad and then leading up to uh, you becoming an adult father yourself. All right, so my dad came from an immigrant family. Uh, He picked fruit with his mother until he was 10 years old. His father was killed when he was only three years old. Mm -hmm. So my dad didn't have a father figure in his family. Uh, He grew up in the barrio of El Monte, Southern California, and he was getting caught up in the negative lifestyle of that area. And so his mother, my grandmother was afraid for his future. So she signed paperwork for him to join the army at the age of 16. Shortly thereafter, the Korean war kicked off and my dad found himself as an injured from them right in the middle of the war. In fact, his whole platoon had gotten wiped out. He was a sole survivor of his platoon at one time. So my, my poor dad saw some horrific action. After the war, he transferred to the Air Force and made that his career. In fact, he did 20 years of service in the military and then retired. So my dad was my hero. Not only was he a war hero, 
But then he became, uh, he worked for the sheriff's department. I'd see my dad every day come home in a sheriff's uniform. I just love the image of my dad in the sheriff's uniform. But growing up with my dad, uh, he drank. And I thought it was normal. Alcoholism runs back on both sides of my family tree as far back as I can trace. It was a lifestyle that was normal for our family, so I didn't think nothing of my dad drinking. It was wrong. But as I got older, my dad's drinking increased, and he became violent, and I started having to protect my mother and my siblings from my dad when he was drunk. And I learned to hate my dad. The fun times as a kid fishing and, and, and uh, doing things with my dad and him drinking turned horrific, and I learned to hate him. I ended up fist fighting him at the age of 14 and was kicked out of the house. So uh, I was I was rebellious at 14, not only towards my dad, but towards all of society for what had happened to my family, and I didn't understand why. So then when you took off on your own, you ended up uh, taking care of yourself, and you moved your mom into your home, correct? Well, when I when I was kicked out of my house for uh, fist fighting my dad, I found work on a on a traveling carnival. I know that sounds pretty cliche, but it was a, a hard life. I was working 14 hours a day, supporting myself at the age of 14, and so I, I did that job for a year. When suddenly my mom found me in Gillette, Wyoming, and to this day I don't know how she found me, but yeah. she showed up and said she was divorcing my dad and she needed my help raising my brothers and sisters. So I moved with her to her hometown in Upper Michigan, where I became the, the head of the house, the man of the family. Uh, I worked in the woods as a lumberjack, trying to help support my mom and my siblings. But in that type of work, uh, drinking was accepted and normal, so I just continued drinking. Uh, the good point about that was, after what I had seen on the, the carnival life and the different towns we went to, I knew I had to get back to high school and at least complete that because if I wanted any type of future, education was important. Yes, sir. And then you fast forward it. You became a young dad yourself. Share a little bit about that. And how old were you at the time? So fast forwarding through uh, high school and college life, I, I, I failed out of college because I was partying too much. I joined a fraternity. And so when I failed out of college in Michigan, I moved out west to California where my dad was, and he and I kind of reconciled. Well, then I got my girlfriend pregnant, and she ended up having uh, two sons of mine. And so when I became a father, uh, that was an important step for me. It was I, I, I tried to be a good father. I, w I wanted to be a good husband. But the partying lifestyle was ingrained by me by then. And when I couldn't quit drinking, because I tried... Uh, I just told myself I must have had an alcoholic gene because the alcoholism runs back on both sides of my family tree, like I said. And so that was my excuse to continue in my lifestyle. And you ended up having custody of your sons. Is that correct? You ended up raising your sons or was it a 50-50 a, a between your ex-wife and yourself? Well, we got, we got divorced after my brother had killed himself. Mm. And... Uh, my brother was drunk when he killed himself, and I felt guilty because I had taught him how to drink. I'd also given him a shotgun for duck hunting in upper Michigan. Mm -hmm. 
and he used that weapon to uh, kill himself. So my guilt of his suicide mm. drove me to drink uh, every day. I used uh, alcohol as an escape from my pain. And so that's when my, my party and lifestyle, I think, actually took its grip in me and became an addiction. Mm-hmm. Because of that, uh, my wife divorced me and took my two sons away from me. And that, that was one, one of the most painful things in my life, was losing my kids through divorce. Yes. And then you became, so you would see your son and your sons in the, in the summer or on the weekends? Right. So I, I shared custody. I had, I had visitation rights. So I got them on summertime right. for, for a couple months. Mm-hmm. And then I'd have uh, weekend visits uh, when we we're still in the same state. Because as a carpenter, I moved around a lot. And what we're going to do, we're going to go into a commercial. Uh, Jeremy is giving me the, the light that we're about to go into the commercial. But when we get back, I want to hear about your daughter, because you also have a young daughter at this time, correct? Yes. You're listening to the Father Matters Show with Vance Sims. And today's guest is Christopher Martinez. We're going to hear more from Chris after this. Are you seeking employment? Then come to the Father Matters Re-Entry Job Club every Thursday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. at 3146 East Weir Avenue in Phoenix. Bring a copy of your resume and be dressed to impress. Guest presenters every week, including industry experts, training providers, and will cover topics specific to ex-offenders. To register, go to fathermatters.org or call 602-774-3298. Helping the community by helping each other. Welcome back to the Father Matters Show. My special, special guest today is Christopher Martinez, author of the book Impact, Insights, Effects, and the Reality of Impaired Driving. Christopher is going to share with us at the end of the show how you can get a copy of that book, how you can book him as a speaker, how you can get in contact with him. If you're just tuning in, you can catch the top of the show at fathermatters.org. Also catch the Father Matters show nationally every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time by logging on to blogtalkradio.com or catch our archive shows anytime worldwide at soundcloud.com. Now, Christopher, we know that you have the two sons. You got married. You got divorced. Tell us about your beautiful daughter, man, and that, that situation. How did that work out? So after divorce, I, I continued working as a carpenter and, and, and the construction trade. Man, everybody drank. All of us had uh, drunk driving tickets. So it was a lifestyle that I just continued to embrace. Uh, I got remarried. Um, my, my new wife knew about my drinking. She accepted it. So I just figured I was dealt this hand of cards in life. Uh, I, I couldn't change. So I just continued trying to be the best person I could be with this drinking problem. But what happened was my, my daughter was born, and then I vowed to be a better father. I wanted to be a better father. I was calling out to God to be a better father. My daughter was a, a miracle baby. She had almost, uh, my, my new wife had almost miscarried. I was going to church every day praying for my daughter to be okay. And she was born early, but she was born healthy. So... I called her my miracle daughter. She was precious. 
in my eyes. So I wanted to be the best dad I could, not only for her, but for my two sons. I always dreamed of providing a future for them and being a good father for them. But life took a turn, and I had a construction accident, and I severed my left hand almost completely off. The doctors reattached it, but when I couldn't work, I fell into deep depression. That working was my identity as a man. A man who doesn't work is not a man, is what I used to believe. And so by this construction accident, it sent me into a deep spiral of depression. My drinking got way out of control, and my new wife had said, that's enough. And she had had enough of, you know, my foibles in life. So she divorced me. And that rocked my world, losing uh, not only a second marriage, but another child. And I was horrified. I couldn't believe what life had done to me. My dad, who I had idolized all through my youth, made a comment to me that when this was occurring, he says, what's wrong with you? Why can't you handle your mud? A strong man takes care of business. He handles his mud. And so my hero dad telling me that, I just felt like a low life. I felt like there was no hope for me. I ended up getting uh, two more DUIs because I, I moved out of Arizona after this divorce. I moved to California and continued being a carpenter. I got two more DUIs, and life was just at its lowest for me. But then, out of the blue, my first wife calls me and says she needs to be rescued from Tennessee. She was she got remarried. She had married a carpenter. He was an alcoholic. <laughs> That didn't work for her again, so she asked me to come get my, her and my sons, and I moved them all out to California. So for me, this was a new lease on life, and she actually gave me custody of my son. So my dad and I had reconciled. Uh, I bought a house in Lancaster. My two sons and my father, we all lived in this new house, and I thought I had a new lease on life. I quit drinking for the first time in my adult life because I had custody of my son. I tried to be the very best father that I could be. Um, my sons and I, we had a great time fishing, camping, hiking, beach trips. Uh, this house we had in Lancaster, California, became the, the neighborhood hangout for all the kids. We had weekend trips to the beach where there'd be four or five cars. I thought I was the greatest dad in the world. And compared to all my peers, I was the best dad in the world, in my own mind. But then life happened again, and I had another construction accident, and I started drinking. And I knew I shouldn't have been drinking. My boys were begging me not to drink. And my younger son was turning 15, and I said, all right, son, after your birthday party, I will quit drinking. Well, the night of his birthday party, my friends came over with a case of beer and a fifth tequila. We drank till 2 a.m., I had a great time. My sons had a great time. They took off to their mom's house for a second birthday party. And my, my friends and I, we drank that night. And the next morning, I got to take my friends home. And I was hungover, knew I was hungover. But I'd been driving hungover for 20 years working construction. I didn't realize being hungover was drunk driving. As I was taking my friends home, the last thing I remember was I saw a yellow light. I looked at the intersection. No one was waiting to, uh, for the light. The intersection looked clear. 
So I stomped on the gas to make the yellow light. And that was the last thing I remember. I had struck a van in the driver's side door doing 62 miles an hour, and I killed this woman, innocent woman, instantly. When I woke up, I woke up in my truck and was crushed like a tin can. My two passengers were with me. And my best friend, and my, he was also my foreman for 20 years, he wasn't in my truck. His girlfriend was in my truck. She was hanging upside down in her seatbelt. As I freed her and she woke up, she started screaming, where's Arlo? Where's Arlo? And I pulled her to safety. I checked her for injuries, and I did circles around my vehicle looking for my friend. I thought my truck had landed on top of him. So I fell to my knees calling out to God to save my friend's life. Right then, a police officer and an ambulance crew picked me up, and they're, they're taking me to the ambulance. I looked over, and about 200 feet away was my, my best friend, and the second ambulance crew was doing CPR on them. He was dead at the scene, but they were able to revive him, I found out later. As I was taken to the hospital, the officer was asking me uh, what had happened. And he asked me specifically, had I been drinking? I said, oh, no, I was drinking last night. He said, well, you wanted to do a, a breathalyzer. I said, by all means, I was drinking last night. I'm not drunk driving. So I did a breathalyzer. Then he asked me if I'd do a blood test. Mm. And I was more than willing to do anything they wanted because I firmly believed I wasn't DUI for I'd been drinking the night before. Well, I heard over the officer's radio, he has two priors, make the arrest. That's when I learned that someone had died in the accident and I was being charged with second-degree murder. That rocked my world. I could not believe I had taken an innocent life and I was being charged with murder for something that had been a lifestyle for me all my adult life. When they took me to downtown L.A. County Jail, and they stuck me in a four-man cell by myself. And the thought of me killing this innocent woman, I was told she was a mother of four kids. Man. She had two grandkids. The thought of taking innocent life, I, I couldn't live with the guilt. As I was tying a sheet to the cell bars, and I was... I was contemplating suicide because I couldn't live with the guilt. I looked up on the wall where someone had written in, in large letters in the cell wall, if now is not the time to turn to God, then when? When I read those words, it hit me like a ton of bricks, and I fell to my knees and just bawling like a baby. I said, God, I realize I'm going to serve the rest of my life in prison, but if you'll be a father to my children for me, if you'll watch over my kids, and love them the way I'm supposed to love them, I will serve you the rest of my life in prison. That's when the good Lord reached down from heaven and took addiction out of my system overnight. Not only was I delivered from addiction and the cravings and everything, but the Lord took swearing out of my mouth overnight, too. It was a miracle. Before my divorces, I was calling out to God for help because I, I was raised as a Christian. I always believed in God. But when he didn't help me, I thought I wasn't good enough. Or he didn't love me enough for him to do miracles for me before. But looking back at that time period, I realized I was calling out to God in one hand, but I was still holding on my own ways with the other. So I, I was half-stepping. I was trying to cut deals with God. And, and he doesn't work that way. When I was completely surrendered... 
he did that miracle for me, not only forgiving me for taking this innocent life, but he delivered me from addiction. I vowed from that moment on not only to admit I was an alcoholic, but I embarked upon a career of learning about my addiction, taking AA, working the 12-step, getting involved and celebrate recovery, which is a faith-based program, and just opened my eyes to all my family history of addiction and how blind we were by our alcoholic thinking. It wasn't a, gen- a gene that was passed down from generation to generation. It was alcoholic thinking that was passed down from generation to generation. Not only was I delivered from alcoholism by this arrest and incarceration, but my dad, my military hero, the retired sheriff, was finally broken and delivered from his alcoholism, and he became a man of faith mm. through my experience. In, during my incarceration, because I was, I was sentenced to 37 to life, I got 15 to life for the murder, I got 15 to life for great bodily injury to my passenger, and I got seven years for speeding. I thought I was going to die in prison. Yes. But every day in prison, I lived to give back, to help people, to do the work I felt God was calling me to do. So not only did I take the AA classes and other self-help groups, but I also took a fatherhood class. And I was shocked to learn that formerly I thought I was the best dad in the whole world, but in this fatherhood class, they taught about, I talked about how what a real father is supposed to be in God's eyes, what a biblical father is supposed to be. And what is that, Christopher? That's a man who takes responsibility not only for his life, but for his actions. He doesn't use excuses. He is the head of the household, and he is responsible for his wife's mental, physical, and spiritual health. He's responsible for his kids' mental, physical, and spiritual health. He's got to take all these areas seriously. When I understood what a biblical father is supposed to be, I realized I was so far short of that mark. And I, I was ashamed to admit to myself that I was my kid's best friend, but I wasn't their father. I didn't know how to be a father. When I look back at my, my family history, my dad didn't know how to be a father because he didn't have a father. He was raised by the military. The military taught him how to be a hero, how to be a man's man. But they didn't teach him how to be a father. And coming up under my dad, I had no one to teach me how to be a father. And so when I took this class, I became on fire to learn how a godly father should be. And I started telling my sons about this class I was taking. And I started begging them to take classes themselves so they could break this generational curse of incompetence as a father. As I looked over our nation from prison these last 15 years, I saw how fatherhood is being destroyed in the United States. Nobody stays married anymore. Nobody hardly lives with their biological father. So many kids are out there, that's this baby's daddy, that baby's mama, this baby's daddy. Nobody has their real father to be an influence in their life as a godly father is supposed to be. There was a, an article I read that was talking about how the strength of a nation is the family unit. And one time, Fidel Castro said 
I can't beat you militarily, but I can attack your country from the inside out. And so what that was happening was uh, drugs and alcohol and destroying the family unit in our country has weakened our country. We've lost our godly fathers in our country. Marriage, the institution of marriage, has been destroyed. Amen to that, Chris. I mean, I, I want to thank you so much. Before we leave the air, Chris, tell us the title of your book and how can people get in touch with you to book you, to order your books? How can they get in touch? What's the, what's the name of your book? And tell people how they can get in touch with you, Christopher. Right, the name of my book is called Impact, The Effects and Reality of Impaired Driving. I wrote this book so that uh, kids like me, kids in high school, college students, and construction workers, there's a million construction workers nationwide who are driving hungover every morning. Mm. How could people... If people can read the stories in this book and see themselves to where we used to be, they'll realize how dangerous and how DUI murder can happen in a split second. How can people get... A, this book, how can people get a copy of the book, Christopher? Well, they can call me at my phone. I'm willing to talk to anyone and everyone about this because I'm on fire to help save lives. What's your phone number, my Chris? My phone number is 626-223-6167. They can go to my email, which is amends, like making amends, amendspublishing.com, or no, amendspublishing at gmail.com, or they can buy the book at uh, julie at fiestapublishing.com. Thank you, Chris. It's on sale with Amazon Books, too. Thank you, Chris, for being part of the show. Thank you for listening to the Father Matters Show. Send us your questions or comments to info at fathermatters.org. Thank you to my engineer, Jeremy Siegel. See you next week at the same time, same place. Have a safe week. Thank you, and God bless. <laughs>